Today's episode is a solo episode in which I will be exploring some of the most fundamental underpinning topics of my academic research and which I commonly attempt to communicate on Instagram, which isn't necessarily the ideal platform for quite large abstract concepts. And my intention very much is to make this information as accessible as possible to as many people as possible because it's vitally important. It's not just some niche intellectual indulgence. It really is of of vital significance to us as a species, which I will be arguing. Now, obviously, there's not within the scope of this podcast episode for me to fully elaborate and delineate the entirety of my thesis. That would be absurd. I am really just offering a sort of broad overview of some main concept that I believe bear great relevance for all of us. So, I've entitled this episode, The End of the Materialist Paradigm. So in order for me to explain and explore that with you, it's pretty essential that I define the terms. So first of all, what do we mean by paradigm, especially since this word is so often overused, like the amount of times I hear it in the spiritual community, talking about living in the fifth dimension and new paradigm. And I'm like, okay, I want to get on board here, but I feel like it's really lost a lot of the, the actual meaning. So According to the Cambridge Dictionary, a paradigm is a model of something or a very clear and typical example of something. It's worth noting also that in science specifically, paradigm means a framework of concepts, results and procedures within which subsequent work is structured. Okay, so essentially like a scientific paradigm is a model of beliefs and a way of understanding the world which then dictates everything else in the scientific endeavour. So our current paradigm dictates what is to be observed and scrutinised, the kind of questions that are supposed to be asked, how these questions are to be structured, how the results of scientific investigation should be interpreted, and how an experiment is to be conducted and what equipment is available to conduct the experiment. Since science is considered the primary and most reliable way to discern truth about the world, the scientific paradigm therefore shapes our whole world view. Generally speaking, for the atheist, science is the source of non-negotiable facts about the objective world. Now, of course, someone with religious beliefs will have a different worldview, but since religion isn't advancing medicine or technology, it just doesn't have the power that it once did, you know, a few centuries ago. So hopefully that's clear what a paradigm means, especially specifically in this context. Now let's look at the big one, which is materialism. So Firstly, for your information, I use the term materialism synonymously with physicalism, which is not an unusual practice, but most mainstream scientists would probably use the term physicalism, but they both mean the same thing. So, materialism is the doctrine that only matter is real. I'm going to reiterate that. Materialism is the doctrine that only matter is real. Now, if I were to use the synonymous term of physicalism, I would say that physicalism is the idea that everything is physical. Both these um, statements amount to the same thing. 
Hence, the branch of science known as physics refers to the physical world, and the realm of metaphysics, literally meaning above physics, is left for the philosophers and generally considered deeply unscientific. For that matter, we may want to define what matter actually is, no pun intended. So, in classical physics and general chemistry, matter is any substance that has mass and takes up space by having volume. So it inhabits the physical world. Obviously, quantum physics are a bit of a spanner in the works there, since that's dealing with quantum entities that have neither size nor volume. Similarly, we experience energy phenomena in our everyday life, such as heat and light. These are obviously not material, and photons are also massless particles. However, materialist scientists have incorporated these non-material energies into their paradigm by arguing that everything is ultimately related to the physical, that energy is physical, that all matter is physical, and a form of energy. Now, I don't disagree that energy phenomena is related to the physical. And so far as we experience it in this physical world, it's just that materialism can't see any further and it refuses to accept that anything non-physical may exist. Moreover, materialism, it's arguing that everything is mechanical, that even people are machines, lumbering robots, in Richard Dawkins' vivid phrase, with brains that are like genetically programmed computers. So I encourage you to just sit with that sentiment for a moment and see uh, how that resonates with you as a conscious human being who has the capacity to love and be loved and to grieve and to feel beauty and to be moved and to have this precious human experience. And now think about a calculator or your computer and tell me, do you think that humans are like machines? Certainly, I know what I believe. Hopefully, at this point, you are getting a closer understanding of what materialism entails, but just to really crystallise our understanding of this term and this very influential paradigm, I'm going to list some sort of axioms, core beliefs inherent in materialism that have been outlined by Rupert Sheldrake, the uh, scientist and philosopher. So number one, according to materialism, the laws of nature are fixed. They are the same today as they were at the beginning and they will stay the same forever. Number two, nature is purposeless. Nature has no goal or direction. Number three, all biological inheritance is material, carried in the genetic material, DNA, and in other material structures. Four, minds are inside heads and nothing but the activities of brains. When you look at a tree, the image of the tree you are seeing is not out there where it seems to be, but inside your brain. Five, memories are stored as material traces in brains and are wiped out at death. Six, unexplained phenomena like telepathy are illusory. Seven, mechanistic medicine is the only kind that really works. And eight, all matter is unconscious. It has no inner life or subjectivity or point of view. Even human consciousness is an illusion produced by the material activities of brains. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure you've gleaned my stance on, on all of this. Now we've defined our terms, I would like to 
briefly present the counter-argument or a counter-argument to materialism. Again, this is the preface to a much, much larger thesis. In other episodes, I will be going into more detail about these counter-arguments, alternative views and why, and methods and methodologies of how we know things and moving beyond the materialist paradigm. So let's go back a bit and look at how our current situation really came about. It all started some 500 years ago when what is commonly known as the scientific revolution began. This period gave birth to modern science and it precipitated the enlightenment era that was late 17th century, 18th century and early 19th century. This time period was very significant for us. It signaled the shift to empiricism, which is all about using observable evidence and experiments and collecting data from the material world that can be quantified and measured. It also um, emerged in this time, the innovation of the scientific method. And also science became a discrete discipline, so a separate discipline, distinct from philosophy, theology, technology and so forth. This time period really was the dawn of the materialist paradigm that still presides. Undoubtedly, it has allowed for much progress. And I really do have utmost respect for scientists and for what we have achieved. So what I'm actually suggesting is that we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but that rather we reframe scientific materialism as a temporary, albeit necessary, phase in the journey of human evolution. And I'll tell you why I think that. Because there's one fundamental problem. Materialism cannot account for consciousness. The very thing that allows science to occur in the first place, the very thing that is allowing me to be recording this podcast right now and allowing you to listen to it, that allows you to have any sort of experience at all, this very quality of being alive. It is the most fundamental aspect of our existence and yet our scientific paradigm just dismisses it and says it's an illusion. Anyway, you may or may not have heard of David Chalmers. He is a philosopher and he famously called consciousness the hard problem for this very reason. So I argue (laughs) not only is consciousness our next frontier, but that it will be the gateway into the furthermost reaches of the universe. I will not be able to address the full capacity of that statement in this episode, but I will be coming back to it in later solo episodes. Now, just to go back to materialism and how I feel about it, (laughs) is that despite the resistance, and there's a lot of resistance out there from many scientists, scientific materialism has quite clearly run its course. You know, it offers us many useful tools and methodologies and I really don't think it should be discarded entirely. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that it needs to be recontextualized with an appropriate parameters. It's inhibiting us. Its outlook on the nature of reality is intrinsically limited. And it's therefore impeding the discovery of fundamental truths. Its limitation lies in its insistence that matter 
is the primary reality, despite the fact that matter actually accounts for 4% of the known universe. And consciousness, the essence of the human experience, is immaterial. Instead, materialism argues that consciousness is nothing but an epiphenomenon of brain activity, as I've already mentioned. So I'm just really reiterating this so it helps crystallize our understanding of the absurdity of the materialist standpoint. Because when you really start mining into it and start considering it deeply, it, it just it reaches a kind of ad absurdum point. It doesn't make any sense. This idea that humans are living machines and that the universe is random and mechanical, that anything that can't be measured or tested according to material methods is off the table, and it conveniently avoids the question of why consciousness exists in the first place. Vis-a-vis -vis the universe being random and mechanical according to materialism and my quite obvious disagreement with this, that's something I'm going to address in another episode around that part. But for the meantime, I'm just really exploring some of the what I perceive to be deficiencies and massive insurmountable problems in materialism. Furthermore, materialism cannot account for ontogenesis. What's ontogenesis? It is the emergence of life. It is when chemistry became biology billions of years ago. Nor can materialism account for the nature of the aesthetic experience, why a Beethoven quartet can move us to tears, like why... There isn't a evolutionary biological explanation for that, for awe, for beauty, for love, the way that we experience love. I am sorry, but these things cannot be quantified and measured and put into a fucking Excel spreadsheet. There is no mechanical evolutionary explanation to why I can read certain bodies of poetry and feel something in my soul move and experience gnosis. Or when I behold an exquisite flower, I feel somehow the interconnected web of the universe. Like, tell me about that. Is that not consciousness? And shouldn't we mine therefore deeper into consciousness? Altered states of consciousness, dreams, our very experience. I feel like this is the most pivotal thing we could be looking at. And moreover, materialism in denying non-physical reality and alternative propositions on the nature of mind precludes us from investigating the line of thinking that was put forth by so many genius scientists. David Bohm, for instance, Erwin Schrödinger, Albert Einstein and Max Planck. It's not surprising, is it, that it's usually the theoretical physicists, those who are dealing with the very deepest aspects of reality, who understand that, yes, science and spirit intersect. And I know that's going to be so triggering for so many materialists. What's your problem with that? Why can't you just let it go, please? Let it go, let it go. Just open your mind to this possibility. I just don't understand the attachment to a paradigm when there is so much evidence contrary to it. Scientific materialism has become as blinkered and dogmatic as the fundamentalist religion it purports to negate. The genius scientists I just alluded to, they understand that whatever this 
higher intelligence is this mind, this consciousness. It's so far beyond any single human theology. Now, the epoch that we live in is known as the age of technology. However, I believe there are broader horizons for humanity beyond this epochal characteristic of artificial intelligence. I instead propose the nomenclature, the age of integration. You see, this next phase of our existence as a human collective, we have the possibility to integrate all that has come before us, the opportunity to adopt a more sensitive, holistic and intelligent worldview, a worldview that accounts for the nature of consciousness, the very substance of our experience, and understands it within a broader framework of cosmology and cosmic evolution. Again, I am not able to address the full reach of this statement, but this is the kind of underpinning tenet to my argument, my thesis, my research, that there is something much, much bigger going on and consciousness is intrinsic to the cosmos and the fact that we are self-reflecting conscious beings is really not that overwhelming or surprising or mysterious at all. What I'm making the case for then is a new world view. I, I want to reiterate it because these are big concepts. The world view I'm promoting is the idea that consciousness, so mind, let's call it mind, okay? We can all agree that it, it exists because we're experiencing it right now. This new world view argues that mind is intrinsic to the cosmos, that it exists in matter and beyond it. So this is partly panpsychist, panpsychism, which argues that there's a degree of consciousness everywhere. Like, I agree with that, but there's also other aspects of what I purport to be true, which sometimes extends beyond the belief systems of an average panpsychist. Okay, so I believe that there is a telos means purpose in Greek, so it's a teleological universe, that there is a higher mind intelligence that preceded the Big Bang, that this universe is, is one of many, the higher cosmic intelligence of which is obviously many strata, many levels and layers of this intelligence embedded within the cosmos, that it created this universe. And I'm not going to say it, it's not a being, it's not a person, it's just like a field of intelligence, but I do believe, and this is in accordance with David Bohm, that it can become personalized and there is a desire to come to know itself and realize itself and to play an experiment with its own intelligence, which is self-generative. That means it doesn't, it almost like it doesn't know what it's going to generate, what is going to happen. It's becoming more intelligent, becoming more conscious. In fact, I should use the word conscious rather than intelligent because AI is intelligent, it's not conscious. The closer a life form it comes to self-reflection and reflecting on what's outside of it, the higher level of consciousness, that's, that's the big distinction. So then I really believe that we are like neurons in the neural network of a cosmic mind and it knows about us because we are it, but we don't know about it. It's a little bit like cells. Does a neuron in your brain know who you are? No. And yet, for some reason, all of those cells are working together in a unified organism for a purpose, which is keeping 
you alive? <laughs> but why is it doing that? That's the big question. Why is anything here at all? Why are we alive? Why did life start? But in this new worldview, all those questions are answered. That's the most powerful, beautiful thing. Because if we understand consciousness like that and seeing ourselves as like cells in a wider organism, but cells that are becoming more conscious and more aware, then suddenly we can understand how we fit into a broader scheme of cosmic evolution. That's what I mean. Yeah, cosmology is a study of the universe. And physicalists, materialists, scientists, they would argue something very different that, yeah, the universe is existing, but they don't know why. It's all random. It's all mechanical. There is no meaning. There is no consciousness beyond us. Okay, yeah, we can speculate there might be intelligent life uh, elsewhere in the universe. I think it's a pretty like clear cut that there is. But beyond that, the paradigm just simply doesn't allow for anything I've just said. For all the reasons that I've already stipulated about the nature of the materialist um, perspective. In contrast, however, the worldview that I am advocating tells us who we are, where we came from, and where we are going. Unlike materialism, which hubristically seeks to eradicate the mystery and wonder of existence, this integrative worldview moves us closer toward it, just as it deepens our understanding of it. It is this exquisite paradox. The study of consciousness, then, is one of the most pressing concerns of our times. If we are to successfully establish a new paradigm of consciousness, this will provide us the much-needed foundation from which new planetary systems can be born, from which AI and technology can be properly managed, from which we can consider space travel, energy extraction, political systems, and effectively tackle the multifarious crises that we face as a species. Because the next phase of our evolution not only necessitates advancing our understanding of consciousness, it necessitates the evolution of mind itself. Finally then, I argue the case for the existence of a cosmic consciousness. The idea that the universe is itself conscious and more like an intelligent mind than a cold and impersonal machine. I maintain that consciousness inheres within the fabric of the cosmos, that, to quote Erwin Schrödinger, the total number of minds in the universe is one. Consciousness is a singularity phasing within all beings. Again, it is not within the scope of a podcast for me to address this topic comprehensively. Rather, I am suggesting another angle through which we can approach it, my postulation is that poetry and the literary arts could play an integral role in providing substantive evidence for this conscious universe, specifically the relationship between evolution, consciousness and the cosmos. But that is for another time. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate your time and attention. Hopefully this um, information was of interest to you and I'm going to put some links in the show notes to further reading and material that might support further investigation into this really exciting, fascinating and important topic.